Today I'm continuing the series that we uh, started last week uh, entitled Building Back Better. Building Back Better. Come on and say it. Just say it right where you are out loud. Building Back Better. And it is a fascinating exploration of the book of Ezra. And Ezra is such a fascinating book. It's so loaded with lessons and packed with principles. And it speaks very loudly and very clearly to people who are having to rebuild something that had uh, fallen down, something that had been destroyed, something uh, that they lost. And you have decided that you're going to go ahead and rebuild it. It might be that business that you're going to rebuild. It, it, you know, it might be your body that has suffered through this uh, pandemic. You're going to rebuild, might be your personal finances, might be a relational or domestic issue that you're looking to rebuild. Certainly every church across this United Kingdom and in various parts of the world are looking at and exploring how they can rebuild after this global pandemic has closed church doors for over a year. And uh, we are in that position as ICANN Community Church. Uh, we are exploring all of our options and how exactly we go about uh, reopening and adding physical services, in-person services to our suite of online services. Be assured we are not going to quit with the church in the house. We are always going to be there for those of you that are tuning in every week. But we are going to add physical services to our suite of online services and we are in full preparation for that uh, relaunch and that rebirth of ICANN Community Church. So I will be speaking into that somewhat in the word of the Lord today, but I'm also speaking to every one of us that is rebuilding something in your life because I believe that Ezra and Nehemiah, as well as the prophets who were prophesying into that period of, of, of Israel's history, that they are speaking to us loudly and clearly today. Their writings are loaded with lessons and packed with principles. And by God's amazing grace, I'm going to unpack as much of it as we can in this very month. So if you're excited and you're ready to go, we're going to read a passage of scripture. We're going to pray. I'm going to give you a title for today's message. And then we're just going to dive into it, immerse ourselves, in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, even though we are exploring the book of Ezra, and we will go on into the book of Nehemiah, because even though the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in our Bibles are separate books, they were originally one book written by uh, one author, and these are two parts of the same book. So, so Nehemiah is part two of Ezra, and it describes a particular wave or phase in the rebuilding and the, the regathering program. Uh, so even though we are exploring those books, I'm going to be reading today from one of the prophets who was prophesying into that period, prophesying into the rebuild. How many of you are grateful for people who can encourage you when you are rebuilding, people who can speak uh, spiritually and prophetically uh, to you and release and impart energy and optimism, enthusiasm, faith and hope? And that's exactly the role that these prophets played uh, in this period of time. So I'm going to be reading from Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, chapter number four. And we're going to pick up the reading 
at verse number six, Zechariah four, verse number six. It reads, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And all the people said, Amen. I'm going to be speaking into our collective destiny on the power of the first wave. The power of the first wave. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our sovereign Savior, we thank you for the word of the Lord because your word speaks life to us, gives hope to us, ignites within us a sense of optimism and enthusiasm concerning the challenges and the tasks that lay ahead of us. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that an unction from the Holy Spirit will illuminate our minds, enlighten the eyes of our understanding so that we may see what is your plan, your purpose, and your provision for us in this day. I pray that you will stir up a first wave. I pray that you will raise up a first wave. I pray that the first wave will hear the word of the Lord and rise to the occasion. And this we have prayed in the magnificent name of our King Jesus Christ and all the saints that love Jesus said amen and amen. Wow and wow. This word is exciting. It's so exciting to me. It's fascinating as I'm reading through Ezra and Nehemiah. And I want to encourage those of you that love the word to just go ahead and start reading Ezra and Nehemiah. And don't be put off by the long lists of names and some of the genealogical records that are contained in Ezra. Uh, just read on through it and just keep on reading because it is absolutely a fascinating book uh, describing a chapter in the, the history of the people of faith. King David even prophesied about this in his psalm, which has become a very famous song today. In the psalm, David says prophetically, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, for the wicked had carried us away into captivity. And there they required of us a song. But how can we sing the Lord's song in this strange land? David was prophesying about the captivity in Babylon. The Jews were taken captive into Babylon in three stages, three waves. King Nebuchadnezzar was that Babylonian leader who, who executed the judgment upon Jerusalem and upon the, Jew, upon the Jewish people that inhabited Jerusalem. But he did it in three waves. 
There was one wave of exile in which a particular number of Jews were taken into Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar left a king in charge. But that king rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. He came back in a second wave and destroyed the city and destroyed the temple and took more people into captivity. He then came back and took even more people into captivity. So the captivity happened in three waves. You say, Bishop, why are you going on about the captivity happening in three waves? I'm going on about it because we need to know that captivity doesn't happen overnight. Captivity happens in stages. When things crumble, when things break down, they don't break down overnight. They happen in stages. If you go broke, you didn't go broke overnight. You went broke in stages. If you become unfit and unhealthy, it didn't happen overnight. It happens in stages. If your marriage falls apart, it didn't happen overnight. It happens in stages. If your business falls apart, it didn't happen overnight. It happens in stages and throughout all of the stages, the waves of captivity, there are plenty of opportunities to repent, opportunities to change your mind, opportunities to address the situation. And that's exactly what happened right here in these scriptures. Jeremiah specifically was the prophet, this calling the people to repentance, warning them. Stage after stage that it's not over, that, that, that there's a reason why this is happening. You have forsaken the covenant. You have forsaken the agreement that God cut with your fathers, the agreement that you inherited, the covenant that you were born into. You have forsaken it and therefore you are going to experience the ultimate judgment of expulsion. But if you repent, if you turn from your wicked ways, God will hear from heaven, forgive your sin. He will heal the land. And so there were plenty of opportunities, but all of these ignored opportunities, all of these ignored warnings led to the eventual captivity of the, the inhabitants of Jerusalem in Babylon. I want you to know it happens in stages. It happens in waves. And during those waves, there are opportunities to turn it around. There are warnings and there are windows. And so you might be in a window right now. You might be in a window right now. And I would encourage you to hear whatever the prophets, whatever the word of the Lord is saying to you, that you can stop it right now. But what if it's happened? It's happened. They are in exile. We spoke quite a bit about this on the last occasion because God not only prophesied, the prophets like Jeremiah not only prophesied that they would be taken into captivity, he literally put a time on it. He literally said it's going to last for 70 years, 70 years. And he repeats this in Jeremiah. It's going to be 70 years after 70 years. I will visit you, says the Lord, and bring you back into this place. And so that's another powerful lesson that your trial, your trial, your test, your tribulation has a set time. This too will pass. Your weeping may endure for a night, but your joy is coming in the morning because God has established a time in which this thing must be fulfilled and finished. 
God knows exactly how long your trial is going to last, exactly how long your test is going to last. God knew exactly how long this lockdown would be. God knew it from the beginning. And Jeremiah the prophet was very explicit. This is going to be 70 years. So you would think that if the first part of Jeremiah's prophecy had been fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the city and destroyed the temple and took the people away captive into Babylon, that was fulfilled. You would think that the people in captivity would now be counting the years, counting down to 70, uh, believing that if the first part was fulfilled, then the second part would be fulfilled. But that's not exactly what happened. What happened was people got comfortable in their new location. They begin to find a comfort zone in their new location. People began to marry and build families and build homes and build businesses and they gradually integrated into Babylonian society and became more acceptable. Some of them went on from the slave class that they originally were to become the middle classes and even some were in the upper classes. We know that Daniel operated at the highest levels of politics within those kingdoms and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And so th th this was a people who whose social mobility was was moving in the upward direction. And so they stopped counting. They stopped counting. But if they were counting, they would have known that when 70 years was up, a prophetic window was opening up before them. A window of opportunity was opening up before them. They, they should have known it just from counting the years. Just from counting 70 years from the first wave of the captivity, 70 years should have said to them, God has a plan for restoration. God has a plan for our return. God has a plan for our recovery. God has a plan for our restoration. And we're in the season of restoration. But for the most part, they didn't. Well, when 70 years was up, the Babylonian Empire was, was defeated by the Persian Empire led by a gentleman called King Cyrus. Woo! King Cyrus, in the first year of his reign, decreed and made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom that he said, God, the God of heaven, the God who is in Jerusalem, who is the God of heaven, has commissioned me to build him a house in Jerusalem. He then said, any of you that are his people may leave Babylon. You may leave the land of your captivity. You may return to Jerusalem and build God a house. And you're returning with the royal seal and signet. You're returning with my permission. You're returning with licenses and permits. And you're returning with any provision that you could possibly need. Because God has called me to do this. 
Now, I shared this with you in the last episode. Why is it that a pagan king would make such a decree? It is because 150 years before he was born, Isaiah the prophet specifically names him. I believe it's Isaiah 44 verse 28. Isaiah names him prophetically and says Cyrus is going to be the one to rebuild the house, to rebuild the temple. He's going to be the one. He is my shepherd. He is my anointed servant. And no doubt Cyrus had become aware of these prophecies and he began to see himself in the prophetic. He began to see himself in the plan of God and he made the decree. You would think that with the combined evidence of the first part of Jeremiah's prophecy being fulfilled, the 70 years being concluded, and a king called Cyrus, who's mentioned in Isaiah, declaring that we should go back and build the house, you would think that every Jew in Babylon would have packed their bags and started the journey back to Jerusalem to build the house of God. You would think that, but that's not what happened. It didn't happen at all. Actually, they returned in waves. Woo, hallelujah. They returned in waves. The first wave was, was led by Zerubbabel. The second wave was led by Ezra. And the third wave was led by Nehemiah. Uh, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah were leaders of the waves of return from Babylon to Jerusalem. And they came back with specific purposes. They didn't just come back for coming back's sake. They came back on an assignment. They came back to rebuild. Mm -hmm. They came back to restore. Uh, Zerubbabel came back to build the house of God. Ezra came back to restore or to reform the people and restore the order of the law, the customs of the law, the culture of the kingdom of God. He came back to work on the people who were living at Jerusalem. That was Ezra's role. And Nehemiah came back to build the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And so there were three waves in the return. Zerubbabel led the first, Ezra led the second, Nehemiah led the third. And there were three stages in the recovery, in the restoration. Three stages. The stages can be typified as follows. The return, the rebuilding, and the reformation. The return, the rebuilding, and the reformation. Remember I said that, the return, the rebuilding, and the reformation, because you couldn't rebuild if you did not return, and you could not reform if you did not rebuild. And so these were the stages that were necessary for the recovery of a people from devastation. They had to return, they had to rebuild, and they had to reform. <coughs> and each one of these leaders of waves came with those agendas on their mind. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you can already begin to see where we are going today as I talk about the power of the first wave. I also want you to notice that it is Zerubbabel who led the first wave. 
He led the first wave. Zerubbabel led the first wave. Now, I could go into the meaning of his name and all of the the things surrounding Zerubbabel, but let's just say that he is the pioneer. He He is full of courage and character and conviction. And he is ready to go where no man has gone before. He is ready to blaze a trail. He is ready to cut a path through the forest. He has a pioneering spirit because he's first wave. You know, first wave people do not need the luxury, the comforts of, of precedent or, or, or evidence uh, or circumstantial validation or proof because they are, they are moving in the spirit of a pioneer. When you're pioneering, you simply don't know what you will find along the way. You know, when you're moving in a second wave, a path has been made for you. But when you're moving in the first wave, you have to make that path yourself. You know, it's the difference between, uh, between an entrepreneur and and uh, the, the manager or the CEO of a company. There is a difference between an entrepreneur and the CEO of a company. A lot of people think that they are exactly the same thing. Well, if you're the entrepreneur, you're the CEO. If you're the CEO, you're the entrepreneur. No, 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 no. Entrepreneurs are pioneers. They are very uh, creative and innovative, and they are ultimately big risk takers. They make the investment necessary uh, you know, to, adv- to, to, to create uh, value in the form of products and services and to bring those products and services to market and they are going out in the spirit of a pioneer. They don't know what they're going to find but they're going to deal with whatever opposition they encounter as they go and they're going to build a system. They're going to create a business system that allows them to consistently deliver that value uh, you know, consistently, uh, repeatedly in a systemic way so that everyone who buys the product and service gets the same product and service that is quality controlled and the way it is delivered. Once that system is set up, that's when you bring in a CEO and the CEO comes in to manage a system that exists. (laughs) Woo! And so the entrepreneur is first wave, but the CEO and the management are second wave because they're coming into something that already exists. It's already set up. And we got to be honest with ourselves. Some of us thrive on chaos. We're happy to go forward and move into uncharted waters and conquer new territories and lands and deal with whatever we find when we get there. Others uh, are, are just not having it. Just once you set up, let me know and I'm coming. You know, Once everything's been set in order, order and you've got the system in place, then let me know. I'll come in and I'll I'll help you with the system. That's second wave people. Today, I want to talk to the first waivers among us. Woo! And if you already sense that you're a first waiver, that you are a pioneer, that you have an apostolic unction upon you to to take new territory, uh, to, to chart new waters, to to blaze a trail, to carve a path through the forest, uh, 
to deal with whatever we find when we get there. And, and I'm going to encourage you today. You know why? <laughs> I'm going to encourage you today because the truth of the matter is that if we will experience restoration and recovery coming out of this pandemic, we're going to need a first wave of people who are ready to build from the ground, dig down deep, lay foundations and, and begin to build, uh, you know, upon the rubble and the ruins of what was left behind. We're going to need people in the business world. We're going to need entrepreneurs who, who are going to create a business in the chaos of this environment. We're going to need churches who are ready to do things that have not been done before. That is the hope uh, of true recovery and restoration in this hour. It's first waivers. Because if the first waivers don't go, the second waivers are not coming. If the first wave doesn't go, the second wave is not coming. I'm going to say it again. If the first wave does not go, the second wave is not coming. And this is why Zerubbabel is such an icon and a champion of restoration because he leads the first wave of people in a return to a Jerusalem that is in ruins. And he says, we are going to build the house of God. We're going to build the place of worship. We're going to build the altar and the house of God as a place of sacrifice, prayer, praise, worship. We're going to build that and we're going to build it from scratch. Woo! And Zerubbabel led a people in that kind of visionary faith back to Jerusalem. But I want you to know that as he went, he encountered opposition. Because with every stage and every wave of the recovery in Ezra and Nehemiah, there was opposition. There are specific oppositions that come in the form of well, there are seven specific oppositions I'm going to deal with per, uh, perhaps next week. But they had to deal with ridicule. They had to deal with intimidation and outright threats. They had to, uh, they had to deal with the infiltrations of the enemy, distractions. They had to deal with uh, enemies without and enemies within. And that is the character of a leader. It reveals the character of a leader. Your character as, as a leader is revealed by how much you can continue to complete in the face of adversity and opposition. It's not what you can do when everything is going for you. It's what you can continue to do when things are coming against you. So Zerubbabel is, is leading a first wave of recovery, but he is encountering opposition as he goes. Now, God's answer to his opposition was the prophets, the prophetic, the prophetic voices, the prophetic flow. The prophets like Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi were speaking into this period of time and into this restoration movement. And what we read in our reading today is, is Zechariah encouraging Zerubbabel. And uh, he had a vision. I won't go into the vision. You can read it for yourself in the, in the opening of Zechariah 4 about the, 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 the golden lampstand and the, and the two olive trees. That's a powerful sermon all by itself. 
But he comes to this point where he says, this is the word to Zerubbabel. This is the word to the first wave. Oh, glory to God. This is the word to the first wave. And I am speaking that word right now under a prophetic unction to everyone under the hearing of my voice that is part of the first wave of the rebuilding and the rebirth of ICANN Community Church in this season and into the rebuilding and the rebirth of any church that you are a part of right now. I am speaking this word prophetically to you that are the first wave. Woo! Because this is the word that came to Zerubbabel. He said, not by might, nor by Power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. In other words, Zerubbabel, don't worry about what you have or you don't have. Who's for you? Who's against you? What's standing in your way? What's your opposition? Don't worry about it. Don't look at this thing circumstantially. Understand that you are in a spiritual prophetic window, that you are under the unction of a prophetic flow, that this is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's not a financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. God was saying to him, Zerubbabel, if you need money, I'm going to give it to you. If you need wood, you're going to get it. If you need stone, it's going to appear. Whatever you need, you need builders, you need workers, you need permits, you need licenses. It's all going to happen because this is not a natural move. This is a spiritual move. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Then, then Zechariah turns that word and he says, Who are you, O mountain? Who are you, O mountain? What does he mean, who are you, O mountain? He means you gigantic obstacle. You opposing voices, you opposing strategies, you adversities, you difficulties, you challenges. Who are you? He says, before Zerubbabel, before the first wave, you will become a plane. Woo, you will be flattened. I'm here to prophesy. God will flatten every adversity that stands in the path, in the way of the first waivers. God will flatten every difficulty that comes between the first wave and the first phase of recovering and restoration and rebuilding. God will flatten every devil, every demon, every demonic stronghold, every plan, plot, scheme of the enemy. It will be flattened flattened before Zerubbabel, which represents the first wave. Woo, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It will be flattened. Who are you, O mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. He said, the hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation and the hand of Zerubbabel will finish the work. He goes on to say something very wonderful. Those who once despised the day of small things, the day of small beginnings, are going to rejoice. Woo! Woo! Those who once despised the day of small things and small beginnings, they're going to rejoice. In other words, don't despise the day of small beginnings because every great thing starts with a small beginning. Every great thing starts with the few who do.
and the few who do are the first wave and the many who talk will come in the second and the third wave but the few who do hallelujah have to realize and celebrate every small beginning because you see the second temple Zerubbabel's temple the temple that was built by Zerubbabel didn't look as glorious didn't look as majestic didn't look as opulent as Solomon's temple it didn't have all of the gold and all of the gems and all of the jewels and all of the trimmings that Solomon's temple had it didn't have all of that it was a small beginning it was a small beginning but it was not despised and I'll tell you why God doesn't want you to despise that because you see God had no interest whatsoever in the brick and mortar of a temple he had no interest in it the reason for the temple was to facilitate worship God was interested in his people worshiping him he was interested in a relationship with his people and the temple was the focal point for facilitating the meeting and the relationship between God and his people the worship is what God was after the worship so he says Zerubbabel don't you don't you don't you look at the small beginnings don't you look at what you had and compare it to what they have to what they had he said instead you need to know that this is a spiritual move it's a spiritual flow it's a prophetic window it's fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah it's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah and it is going to be established by the hand of Zerubbabel those who take who who take up the 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 mandate those who receive the mandate and receive the charge the few who do who constitute the first wave in the rebuilding this is very very exciting to me it's very exciting to me because I don't know about you but I am just ready to go with God who glory to God I don't know about you but I'm ready to do something radical I don't know about you but in the future I see more souls saved than have ever been saved before in our ministry in the future I see more lives transformed than has ever been touched by our ministry in the future I see more hungry fed I see more homeless sheltered I see more friendless befriended I see more turning to Jesus Christ I see a bigger brighter more beautiful and blessed house of God and I'm standing on the prophetic that the glory of this latter house will be greater than that of the former can I hear an amen you see the ministry that went into this cocoon must come out of it a butterfly and not the caterpillar that went in and so we're coming out to spread our wings. We're coming out to do some radical things. We're coming out to take the city by storm. We are coming out to build God exactly what God wants. And our, if you're excited about it, I want you to shout an amen. If you're believing it, I want you to shout an amen. If you're with me in the first wave, I want you to shout an amen. I thank God for everyone that's coming behind us in the second wave, but nothing's going to happen unless we have some courageous people who are ready to run with the first wave of the vision and start putting things together from the ground floor up. So I'm going to close today. There's so much more I could say. I'm going to have to save it to the next session. But I'm going to start to close today. And I'm going to close with a very special kind of an altar call.
And this is an altar call in which I am reaching out for the first wave. Hallelujah. I'm calling for the first wave. I'm calling for the spirit of Zerubbabel, the, the unction to function in the office of Zerubbabel. I'm praying for those of you that are standing with me in the first wave of the rebirth of ICANN Community Church to be bigger, brighter, better than ever before, to be stronger and taller than ever before, to extend its reach like never before, to lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes, to enlarge our territory as the prayer of Jabez said. If you are going to be part of that, I'm giving an altar call to you. I'm going to give an instruction to you. The instruction is simply this. I want you to go to our website. Go to our website. When you get to our website, you will see an opportunity to register for our first wave seminar and workshop in which I'm going to unpack the vision of the house. I'm going to unpack exactly what has been that what has set my soul on fire. I'm going to unpack it in detail so that you will know what part you play in the first wave of the rebirth of ICANN Community Church. Woo! I want you to go there and register for that seminar and decide you're going to be a part of it, that you're coming with an open heart and an open mind to learn and see exactly what the first wave looks like and exactly how you can participate in it. I want you to go do that right now in the name of Jesus. Now, my second altar call is for somebody that is spiritually homeless or disconnected from God. It is your time to reconnect to God because this world has entered a prophetic window. All these things that have happened in the world, they're not accidents, they're not coincidence, they are not incidental. The closing of the global economy for over a year is not something that is, that is simply a natural consequence of natural things. There are spiritual forces at work and there are spiritual parallels at play. And the fact that in this nation we are reopening our economy fully uh, you know, in, in, in the next few weeks and we are reopening fully in the next few weeks speaks to us about a prophetic window, a space of grace and a flow of the unction, a move of God in this time. I want you to be a part of the move of God in this time. It's time to reconnect your life to God. Reconnect your plug back into the power of God. You say to me, Bishop Malcolm, I'd love to plug into God, but I'm just not good enough for him. Well, let me let you into a secret. Join the club. None of us are good enough for him. There's only one who was good enough for us. He was good enough for us. He was good enough that his blood washes all of our sins away. His blood covers us. His blood, his death, his life justifies us. It is not that we are good enough for him. It's that he was good enough for us. And you can come to God and reconnect with your heavenly father by faith in the one, the perfect one, the one that was good enough for us all. By your faith in Jesus Christ and what his blood has done for you.
you can come back into a covenant relationship with God. And you must come into a covenant relationship with a spiritual house because God is getting ready to use spiritual houses, apostolic houses, prophetic houses, teaching houses. Each house has its distinction, has its assignment, has its DNA. And if you're listening to this broadcast right now, it is because something in your DNA is resonating to the DNA that is in this ministry. And you need to reconnect with your spiritual family because God's about to do something with spiritual houses. Woo, glory to God. So I want to pray with you right now. Lift your hands in the presence of the Holy Spirit and let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for every person under the hearing of this prophetic word. Every person that is living at this, in this prophetic window, at this strategic junction in human history, Lord, I am praying, first of all, for those that have become disconnected from you. I pray that there be a reconnection to you. Hallelujah. Those that have been disconnected from a spiritual family, from a spiritual tribe and a spiritual house, I pray that there be a reconnection to the house because of what you're doing with spiritual houses in this hour. And I pray, Father, for those whose spirit you have stirred to be part of the first wave, to get their hands dirty, to roll up their sleeves and to begin to build, to become workers in the kingdom of God who are going to work with joy Hallelujah. Who are going to work with a song. Who are going to make the sacrifices necessary to build the house that God purposes and that God plans. I pray God that we'll be stirred to respond to receive that prophetic and apostolic instruction. Hallelujah. And God I thank you for the power of the first wave and the promises you have made. In the name of Jesus. That it is not by might nor by power but by your spirit. And that every mountain that stands before the first wave will collapse. It will be flattened. Father, we will not despise the day of small beginnings, but we will treasure every opportunity to serve you. Hallelujah. To build with you because we know that as you build the house, we are not laboring in vain. And this we have prayed in Jesus Christ's name. And all the saints that love Jesus said amen and amen. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.